If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. I hope your weekend went well. Appreciate you joining us on a Monday. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew in-house as usual. That's a good thing on Twitter. It's at J Cameron Show. And away we go. This will be... This will be the last week without tangible results from football activity to talk about. Think about that. Come on in, everybody. Think about that. Step right up. Get you a cold one. That's it. That's it. That's all. The last effing week where we have to make stuff up. Hey, what do you mean make stuff up? (laughs) What kind of allegation is this? I'm, Speculation is not making stuff no, up. No, of course. It's the root of talk radio, all talk radio. It's speculative. It is conjecture. It is opinion. It is those things. There's nothing wrong with that, per se. But it gets old because I really like tangible results, things that I can look at, see, discuss, analyze, come back, utilize as context on this show to better inform, discuss, interact with my listeners and you. It's a lot of fun when we are able to do that. Hey, listen, the great sports debates all have to do oftentimes with hypotheticals and what ifs and all that. That's all great. That's fine. And and, and I'm, all jokes aside, that is a big part of being a sports fan or loving music and getting into arguments about genres or whatever. Okay, that, that's fine. But at some point, I want to go to the concert. I want to be at the practice. I want to talk to the coach. You know, you, these are the things, right? And you're going to get that opportunity after this week is over. It starts. Practice begins. And every day, when you think about Florida State and the position Florida State's in and all the stuff building up to this moment that I'm talking about, all of the things leading to the ACC kickoff this week and all the stuff that we've been speculative about, we've all kind of agreed, certainly, and I think this is something that is – uh, in the fan base universally agreed upon 
This is a big season, and I'm ready for it to begin so that we can watch how the dominoes fall here and and really get a better sense of, at least on the field and within the coaching staff, what we have here and where we're headed. And that's exciting because you're not going to get an answer to the other anytime soon. I don't think that Florida State's going to know and the ACC is going to know in a matter of a week or two or a month what that future holds. Like in terms of the television and the conference realignment stuff, I don't think we're going to know that. Um, you know, we, we all have thoughts on where we think that's headed. There seem to be some obvious signs where that's headed, at least in the long term. But in the short term, I don't think we really know a proper timeline. Everybody is just speculative, and that's fine. But now we get into football talk. You know, now I know that there are position battles that really matter and items of, of importance that will affect directly the outcome of games this season that we're going to be able to talk about here starting basically, I think, uh, and this I don't know officially, but I'm guessing that the start of practice is one week from today. Um, my, it, it seems It stands to reason that it would be. Um, this week you have the ACC kickoff. I know coaches are basically having to come in and be set by this upcoming Friday. What, what are you waiting on? You got an early game. It's time. Let's, let's get it on. Let's start practicing. Let's get everybody ready to roll. And I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. Now, again, if it's not Monday, it's Tuesday. Whatever. It, it, it's, it's so it's happening. not this weekend, though. Okay. No I, don't, no, I don't think they're starting on the weekend. I, I think they're getting ready to go uh, Monday or Tuesday, most likely Monday. So you know what that makes this weekend, then? The year's final, <laughs> you know, <laughs> glory's last shot. <laughs> The year's final weekend. Um, yeah, so I, listen, I get excited about that. Really, legitimately excited. No, no nonsense. I'm really excited about where this where this goes because now you get the opportunity to watch aforementioned battles on the offensive line at the other corner spot. Uh, I think that again, the continued competition. Uh, for reps, even amongst those that are firmly established, is is excellent. For example, at linebacker, how does that shake out? I mean, we know Tatum Bethune is likely going to be the starter that makes all the difference within this linebacking core. Everybody slots down a little bit. That's great. But listen, again, in the spring, I really thought you saw some guys step up there, play, fighting for more reps, fighting for time. This is the nature of competition. It's what we celebrate. We love this when it happens. So here we go. It's It's exciting. Who knows? Uh, how quickly does Winston Wright get back? Because, again, if that happens, um, that he gets back a lot sooner than I anticipated or that any of us anticipated based on the severity of that accident, well, that changes the dynamic of what I think has been largely your weakest unit on the field. Uh, that receiving core has been an embarrassment to receiving cores uh, across this lowly conference, let alone the nation. So that that doesn't have to be the case anymore if he's back with all the productivity we've seen from him in his career at West Virginia. Who knows? Yeah, and that's where you get to the targets, too, the battle for the targets. Micah Pittman is locked in as one of your top two receivers. If Let's just say that Wright comes back, he's fully healthy. Pittman's not getting bumped down to three or four. We, we don't foresee that. No. But the question is, let's just say that you do have a lineup in a given game. It could be week two. It could be in October. And Winston Wright is part of that lineup. Who's getting the third most looks? Is it a receiver? Is it a running back? Is it Cam McDonald? How is the distribution? Rephrase that. Re 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 uh, restate that. Okay, so let's say it's a game. Wright's fully healthy. Yeah, Wright's okay. fully healthy. That, okay. Who gets the the third most looks, the most targets? Is it going to be a receiver, 
Okay, or or Cam or a running back. I just I just wonder I where pokey. It, the distribution of all this. Where's it going to go? I just don't think you have a reliable tight end. I think you have a tight end that's mediocre at best, and everybody else behind him is garbage or has been or hasn't been able to prove themselves. I hate it. I shouldn't say that. I I shouldn't phrase a person as garbage. It's just been an unproductive group. It, it, it there hasn't been anybody that has shown themselves to be emerging anytime soon at that position. Now now maybe maybe you get some of these young guys take a huge step forward. I'll knock on wood and hope like hell that happens. But until I see it, I can't. So just pokey is where you go. Okay. Uh, probably. I mean, don't you think? I mean, if he's now a three. Yeah, that's a good three. I, I just. You know, the candidates, one of them, you roll your eyes at Johnny Wilson, but Malik McClain's still in that conversation. He's not bad. Yeah, but he didn't have a good spring. I thought he was whatever. Yeah, that's right. You can't come off your freshman season yeah. where at the end of the year you look like you did and then you do nothing in the spring to show me that you've improved at all. I didn't see any evidence. Yeah, but like argue it the other way like you would for Pokey. Let's say he's a three. With that size, that's a bit of a separator with two diminutive receivers and Pittman. And yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, look, I need, McLean's never going to run away from anybody. So he's going to have to win the 50-50 balls, all the contested balls. They don't have enough guys that can run away from anybody. I don't know if they have anybody that can run away from anybody. So that, that that's the— Chakai can, but he's a gadget player. He's a gadget player, is right. Uh, so I'm talking about a prototypical wide receiver that can go, and they don't really have that. Now, that's why it gets frustrating because it makes— it makes the drives, the scoring drives, laborious. Unless you get a big play, you're going to have to go 10 to 15 plays. And a lot can go wrong on a 10 to 15 play drive. you got guys that drop the ball, put you behind the chains, holding calls, whatever it might be. You know, they've had to work too hard for their points. Florida State's had to work too hard for their points for the last several years because they have not had a level of uh, dynamic play from receivers and even running backs. They really haven't had that. They've had some big plays from running backs, it's true, but they haven't had a guy that we, you know, there, there's no, nobody's mistaken that group for Dalvin Cook. So there hasn't been a guy that you're like, oh, flips the scoreboard just like that. And I don't, again, I don't know that they have it this year. Trey Benson, I suppose, could be that guy. I was wowed by him in spring. I thought he looked great. So you might have something there, and that could open some other things up. But it's just they're in a better position. You know, we come at this conversation, and it's easy to do. I can come at this conversation with a lot of doubt and uncertainty and nerves about the importance of the season and the lack of weapons to take advantage of a situation that you simply have to take advantage of, uh, meaning you have to have a great year to create some momentum in recruiting, establish some security with the coaching staff, etc. Or I can come at it and say, you know what? They're one of the more underrated teams based on a succession of seasons that have been sub-500, leaving most college football analysts and fans uh, with little to go on in the way of projecting positivity. So if you're just a casual fan, you think to yourself, well, Florida State hasn't done anything in five years. Why, why should I suspect they're going to do anything this year? Got it, got it. I mean, I got it. And if you're an analyst who doesn't specifically cover Florida State, you just cover the conference as a whole or you cover college football as a whole, you're likely to kind of just be dismissive of Florida State. Now, that's, again, me coming at it from a more positive angle locally and saying, those people can do that, but we know they're better at almost every position. So maybe they're the surprise of the ACC this year. Again, I could do both. That tells you how 
tenuous it is, how important health is, how important winning some of the 50-50 games, making that kick in the fourth quarter, not allowing the game to be lost because you can't catch a punt. You know, these kinds of things, it's all of those things that are going to add up to them having a shot at 8-9 wins. And that would be, again, a huge leap forward given that they haven't finished above 500 in some time. And it's all about the health of the quarterback, too. You know, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. Over under 10 and a half games that Jordan Travis plays start to finish. Because if it's the over, you like your chances to hit that number. Mm-hmm. I also like their chances to be balanced on offense this year in a way that they haven't been. I mean, what was our leading receiver last year? Was Pokey? A few hundred yards? I mean, it's yeah. just embarrassing. Ain't much. Ain't much. Right. And so I think that, you know, you've got a great chance at having a receiver or two eclipse 500 yards this year. That sounds crazy, but think about it. The offensive line's better, protects Jordan Travis better, and and you've got a chance to open up different facets of the offense no matter how a defense plays it. I like this receiving core to block on the perimeter better, so the bubble game should be stronger. You've got guys who can make one-on-one matchups work for you, so if you want to play the run first, we can use the pass to open the run back up, or if you want to put eight in the box and say, go ahead and beat us, Jordan Travis, you feel better about winning those one-on-ones. So either way, if you want to try and stop the run first or the pass first, I think we've got a way out of it. That was not the case last year. I also think that we should make a bigger deal out of how much more efficient are they going to be in the red zone. Last year's red zone offense was an embarrassment, largely because you couldn't block anybody. So short-yarded situations were problematic. Obviously, when the field gets shorter, the physical toughness becomes a big Deal, And they, they didn't have the hosses up front to get that yard to convert in that situation. They also did not have a guy in the red zone that you thought you could throw it up to that could make a play. Yeah, they made magic happen in it, though. If you look at the efficiency metrics in the red zone, they were excellent. So but, you, but what you're, ta- you're talking about is the whole world knows on third and goal from the one-and-a-half-yard line what I'm you're going to do. I'm also talking about not kicking field goals. Right. Because that gets baked into those efficiency numbers. Do you score? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm th- no touchdowns. <laughs> We're talking about touchdowns, and I and, and again, having to settle a lot because you don't have the ability to bully somebody inside the five, inside the seven, right? Like to line up and say, from here, I'm going to run the ball three times, and we're going to get those seven yards. Now, listen, that's hard, but we haven't had that ability in a long time. You know, you either have you have you know, you'd love to think you have a jumbo package this year with all the extra offensive linemen and the people that we haven't had in the past that you could utilize in that sure. situation. Yeah, um, you just got to be tougher between the tackles. They haven't been tough in that way when everybody knows you got to do it, and the field is shortened. Now, Johnny Wilson could play a huge role in that. You're right. You guys are right about that. As for much as I'm like, we'll see about Johnny Wilson. He's a good blocker, no doubt. That unequivocally, I can state that. Mm-hmm. And if he'll catch the damn ball, uh, that is a physical mismatch right. in the red zone. It, it thins out the defense near the line of scrimmage a little bit. If he could prove it early in the season, that even, you know, it's yeah replacement level for that size. If he's replacement level for the size he yeah. is, yeah. then a safety has to linger another step or two to cut off the angle for an easy one-on-one throw before the snap. And what does that do? It affords you other matchups on the backside, or if you run that way, Again, he's useful multiple ways in the red zone because he can block for you. Well, that's so what if you I'm want to, yeah, you want to sweep in his direction, then you know you yeah. feel good about winning that matchup. Yeah, man. I mean, he won't be a bust because he can block. So, the, to some regard, he is going to be an upgrade to that segment group 
but I would like him to be multifaceted. I don't I don't want to think that we brought him in at that size with that mismatch potential solely to be a great blocker. I need I need him to catch the ball too, but he will block. So I know that there are elements of that group that are going to be better because they have a lot of guys out there that that would do that consistently. And so will McLean. So I mean, yeah, yeah if Wright's healthy, you could have Wilson Pittman on one side and mm-hmm. McLean and Wright on the other. I mean, again, that's a very basic basic way of talking about football and schematics, but that is now two halves of the field that you could throw to and expect to win a bubble on. We don't have we didn't have one half of the field that you would expect to win a bubble on for years. And that's a big part of this offense, especially if you need to get the ball out quicker against those better defensive lines you're going to face. Yeah, and I would like it to be less of a feature in this offense. Like, they don't have to go to that because it's all they have. They had to fall back on that a lot. Uh, and, and I thought at times... Dilly got a little silly with that at times. I'm like, okay, man, that's six in a row. <laughs> well, they are triple options a lot in, in those. I cases. know, I know. It's I know. I just read with a bubble, but I just after a while, like, this is all we got. That's all we got today, and and sometimes it really was. Sometimes that was his way of saying, yeah, we can't block this up, guys. We cannot block this up. So this is the best shot we have. And to we do this create. enough. We're setting up a home run right. in, on the did. ground, and which they, they did. Which they did. Which they absolutely did. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Just getting started. A lot to get to today. Mostly FSU football and ACC kickoff week, college football in general. A little touchback on the, on the Open that just occurred. And, of course, the All-Star week is always the week where we kind of, all right, let's exhale, get it right. Your boy will win the home run derby again tonight, right? Let's hope so. That's fun. I guess I yeah I mean I like I'll watch he it. He takes it seriously. I appreciate he him for take that. He takes it seriously. He does, and he cares deeply. He's like Harbaugh in the preseason. He cares very much to win the uh, home run derby. Uh, Jeff Cameron Show. Be right back. Let's go, Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio. More Chan TV. Thirty three. Defensive sacks in 2021, Tom, and you lose Jermaine Johnson. Going to have to go under there, big shooter. One would expect, unless uh, you're able to dial it up and you've got somebody that can win routinely on third and forever, and you know that that person's just going to they're going to win their battles. Amari Gain or somebody like that, but I don't know that that's reliable. Going to go under on the 33 in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't see that guy on the roster. Also, you're facing a lot of good quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks. Get the ball out of so, their hand. Yep. They've got, uh, there's also a bunch of veteran offensive lines. So. There's a chance for us to be somewhere between 7 and 9 early through two games in the season because Duquesne, you're going to rack up 5 by accident, right? You'd like to think. And then LSU has questions on the offensive line. I, I've been only been doing basic research on them, but they've got a couple freshmen, so – you might be able to win a couple of battles, scheme something up, especially since they're trying to learn and implement a new offense. Could find your way into two or three sacks in that game. Well, and it's funny you bring that game up. I was looking at it over the weekend, sitting there with the laptop watching the Open, just doing research for the upcoming season, various assignments and things that I think about. And that is that really is a mystery, uh, that game, because if you just look at personnel with what they've brought in, and you look at some of the kids that stayed, there are areas that concern you greatly about LSU. And there are areas of real weakness, as you're pointing out. And also, when it's a transitional year, a lot of times, uh, you know, Brian Kelly, who I think is a good coach, not necessarily a likable guy, but a, but, but a good coach, 
his team struggled with teams that they had better talent than early in the season. And they, they did it last year against us, for example. That Notre Dame team was talent for talent, much better than Florida State. And here we were going to overtime. Uh, so do, do you factor that in along with the fact that Florida State gets a warm-up? You know, so you can iron out a couple and of continuity. bugs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. If it was played in Orlando and not New Orleans, you'd be, I think, thumping your chest a little bit more about this game. But it's the New Orleans factor, even though we've got 30,000-plus going, that makes it uh, dicey. It's funny, too. I don't. We're a ways away from thumping our chest for any game. I'll just say that. I, I think we're a ways away from thumping our chest about, I'll thump my chest about Duquesne. Come get you some. Come get you some of this, Duquesne. But other than that, <laughs> I'm not thumping my chest about a single game on this schedule. That's way less fun. <laughs> not for the players. You don't want to thump your chest when there's a 20-yard completion over your head. We've seen too much of that. Ooh. Hell, 65 yards. Uh, but, you know, for us, analysts, this is going to be a better team. It is. Yeah, well, they'll be a better team. They. The key is, um, oddly, the thing that I hate, which is that people – don't look beyond simply a record. At some point, you, you you do have to just look at the record, and they may be better, and the record may not be better. I mean, it, it should certainly be better than five and seven, but it may not be where it needs to be. Uh, we'll see. I, I like this team better too. I think that they are equipped to win more of the fifty-fifty games, and that's actually why, in addition to all the other reasons that we've laid bare. It's such a big year because if you think they're better equipped to compete in these 50-50 games, and I think universally that is agreed upon, better depth in a lot of areas helps you win games like that, helps you have a chance week over week over week to be in a position to win games like that because guys get dinged up. It's football. People get hurt. You have to be able to survive that, move on, and have a chance to win. When you're thin the way Florida State's been in the last number of years – Anybody lost up front, almost guaranteed a loss. It, it just guaranteed it. You're like, well, that's it. And you got to have to put Slappy in there at right guard, and this is going to be a problem. So, you know, and entering the game for Slappy, yeah, Slappy, and all, all the stands. Jesus, we had to put Slappy in again. Is that his first name or last name? <laughs> it's only one name. Yeah, just Slappy. If Slappy's playing, we're in trouble. It's but share. Like but but the problem is so. So I think that's all well and good. But getting back to why. The spotlight is bright. You know, what do we say about good coaches? I mean, that's the thing, right? You, you win those games. You win the 50-50 games. You, if there's equal talent, do you win the game? Well, and was there a talent deficit? And how many of their, their last eight games would you say there was a talent deficit for Florida Certainly State? Clemson and Florida. Yeah. Probably more than that, though. Probably of Probably, the eight, maybe yeah. five or six, you're yeah. in a talent deficit. You go five and three in that stretch. And you were in position to win or lose. You could look at it either way, but you're in the fight in all of those games, even the ones you lost. So, you know, now you've got more talent. LSU is in transition. This is a game, I'm not going to say you should win, but you just, all of the factors outside the of location tone, are in a good place. Well, remember, you know, again, when you've, when you've lost as much as Florida State has lost, you, you, you can think that you're better. You can believe it at practice on a daily basis. But at some point, you're going to get out there and play a game, and it's going to be there's going to be a moment of truth in that game. And until you get over the hump and you win in that moment, it's all false bravado. It's all uncertain. It's all hypothetical. It's all in theory. It's all the 
you got to know, and, and the way you got to know is to do it, to achieve it, to succeed. Then, then you know. And with every one of those moments that you win, you're infused with a greater level of belief and confidence. And that you can carry that into games. I mean, anybody who's ever been a part of an organized team, right? I don't care what level, the lowest level to the highest level, right, if you're listening to this. You've been on bad teams, you've been on good teams, probably everything in between, right? But those ones that were in the middle that had the chance to be good or have it go south, somewhere along the way there was the moment where I think we can do this becomes, oh, we're, we're going to do this. And then you took the field with a belief that the ass-kicking you were about to deliver was real. And it was because you achieved something prior to it that gave you um, vindication. Yeah, that's, you know, we talk about, and it's a term that was floated a lot last year, proof of concept. You know, it was just one of the buzz terms, and, and we're still looking for it. But we talked about it in regards to the boosters, NIL collectives now, fan base, other coaches who might want to come here and upgrade the staff, recruits. But the proof of concept that's most important is for the players themselves right here on this mm-hmm. roster. Mm-hmm. you got to prove it to yourself mm-hmm. that you can do it. Because if you do in New Orleans, that flight is a lot more confident up to Louisville for the Friday game after the bye week. They're going to go there expecting to win if they beat LSU. In New Boy, I'll tell you what. It's so funny. It's so easy as we approach the start of practice, as we get into ACC kickoff week, it is so easy to to get excited about scenarios and games. But, man, you just touched on LSU. I keep coming back to it. I just keep coming back to it all the time. As long as you don't get blown out by LSU, then that Louisville game becomes everything. It's just, you know, if you win it, it's still uber important. Oh, it's still critical. It's kind of the fulcrum game, right? Yeah, That's the yeah. game that you're looking at like, man, I – don't lose that one. Like the trampoline game. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that can – yes, absolutely. And in both ways. Because if you win the LSU game and turn around and lose the Louisville game, your season's not ruined. Obviously, at that point, you'd be 2-1 and because you'd have the Duquesne win. And then the other games become huge. But it would put a little cold water on your early success. It would dampen the enthusiasm right off the bat of having won the LSU game in New Orleans. If you lose the LSU game and then you turn around and – you play Louisville and you lose that game. Well, now your season's up in smoke just like that. You're one and two. You're once again where you've been each of the last handful of years. So it's just the it, the nerves we're going to feel on a Friday night at Louisville. They're going to feel the same thing. They've got a lot of recruiting momentum right now. Whatever their NIL presentation is, it's a good one. It's a good one. And for them, if they want to retain these recruits, as we talk about, a lot of people are going to have money for you if you're a blue chipper. Then you can decide, and, and the middle ground is success of the program, continuity yeah. of the program. If they lose to us hosting the game on a Friday night with a coach whose footing is not quite secure. Oh, it's not secure. That market is in flames. And then you've passed them, and then watch some of those kids get cut loose, and maybe you can pounce on a recruit or two. Whew. It's a big game for both programs. Yeah, you get, you get excited about things like this, man. We love the game. We love the intensity that surrounds moments like that, big games like that. And and it, it always varies. You know, when you're riding high, you're protecting something. You know, when you're riding really high and you're one of the best teams in the country, the intensity you feel involves not wanting to relinquish your dominance, relinquish. You know, like Georgia will go into this season very differently, obviously, than Florida State. But that excitement and intensity and, and sort of circle that one type moment for the fan base, it's real no matter what. Ours has just been from down here. It'd be nice to have it, you know, at the end of this season. At the end of this season, to be like, okay, 
Huge step forward now. Let's let's not fall back. Let's keep pushing. Well, from a very basic point of view, just think about it. Two of your first three games, you're the only game going on in the country. There's an opportunity for sending a message to everybody, all those principal parties involved, that you are the only game. That is a huge, huge opportunity to flip this thing momentum-wise for recruiting. Yeah, I get nervous talking about it because yep. it's, it's nearly here. It's Yeah. Go time. If you're thinking about buying a home and you think about this current climate, you know you get you get a little nervous. And uh, everybody's heard about high demand um, and inventory being low. But if you want to get a leg up on the rest of the buyers, all making offers in the same house as you, that's a toughie. You got to find a way to do that. The first place to suggest is you call my friend Shannon at Legendary Home Loans. Shannon will set you up with complete pre-approval underwriting. Used to be an upgrade back in the day. Nowadays, got to be standard. And if you want to get your offer on a new home pushed to the front of the line, you need a TBD full underwriting approval from Legendary Home Loans. Let's go. You'll shorten or even remove your financing contingency, and the sellers will know that your offer is a very real one and that you're ready to go. It's tough out there, folks. Why not have the advantage of a proven winning team in your huddle? Get pre-approval underwriting from my friend Shannon with the one and only Legendary Home Loans. Call now. 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN, or visit FSUHomeLoans.com. That's FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron Show, uh, good to be with you on a Monday as we get set for ACC kickoff. Question in my mind about the ACC kickoff this week and a change of schedule for us. Uh, first of all, obviously we're here right now. Uh, tomorrow, Seminole headlines will run. Now, two two things there. It's a recorded version of Seminole headlines that we already did. We did it over the weekend. I wanted to get that out there and make that abundantly clear for everybody that when you tune in tomorrow to hear Seminole headlines that was previously recorded, but it is new content, and it is me and Corey and Ira, and uh, it's it's a it's a quality show. It's a fun discussion about Florida State football and about the ACC and about. Uh, aspects of the team so kind of your standard fare there um wednesday i'm actually going to be back with you right here uh the way it was set up in charlotte left some question as to whether or not we'd be able to do a live broadcast for the jeff cameron show and i did not want a chance not being able to give you live content on the week of the acc kickoff so tom is going they need him there for a variety of reasons technical and otherwise but it works out well for us because he can pipe in and we can talk about what's happening on the ground there. I can be here in studio and do these things and, and we can have these discussions and we're able to give you content. So that's what's going on Wednesday and then Thursday. You come back and, and we'll figure something out. But anyhow, the and then we're live Friday, of course. So anyhow, we, we have a lot going on, but we kind of mixed it up a little bit. I wasn't heartbroken to miss out on this year's ACC kickoff. I'm just... It's the right thing to do, but when I found out that's what needed to be done, you know, I didn't lose sleep over not making the haul up to Charlotte. I like Charlotte. I always like seeing everybody up there. It's a good time. But that's a long drive just to enjoy yourself at that uh, wonderful Irish pub that I'm going to miss out on. But uh, it, it's, uh, I mean. We'll and, see if I have time for that. And, yeah, yeah, who knows? It's going to be a full day on Wednesday. Yeah. So it's a kind of a, a whirlwind, if you will, these days. I am curious, now that you know technically what we're doing and what we decided to do over the weekend. So there's this thought, right? We, we've graduated from the, you know, beaten-to-death storyline of 
how soon which teams are leaving this league, how do you get out from under the grant of rights, would the Big Ten be interested in this team but not this team, how soon would they be willing to make a move, does Florida State, Clemson, Miami, and whomever you want to name, North Carolina, what, what is the next plan for them, how many teams out of the ACC would have to rise up and uh, desire to get out so they, they could get you know this the whole th- grant of rights thing dissolved, well the answer is eight, can you find eight teams that would be willing to do that, do they have a home, these are the talking points, the storylines that have been discussed a lot by all of us with a vested interest, I would assume if you're here you have an interest in that, whether you love Florida State or not. Uh, the expansion of the SEC or the Big Ten uh, and and what ESPN decides to do, what Fox decides to do, are all very important to you because they affect college football and the greater landscape of college football. But what is a more interesting topic to me now is that, okay, let's presume for a moment that 2036 is a long ways away and who knows, I don't think it's likely that we see the end of that deal. I don't, but that said... There is this growing thought that if the ACC, and again, I don't care about the ACC, only that we're in it. And I don't mean that I want to stay in it, just that we're in it and what happens to it could directly affect Florida State. So therefore, I'm paying attention and trying to read the tea leaves. A potential big problem, and it's really a problem for ESPN, because they're the ones behind the scenes that are going to manipulate this since the ACC is one of their assets. And they're competing against Fox, right, who will have the Big Ten and that deal, and then ESPN has the SEC, but they also have the ACC. And it's an asset that I don't think they want to see just dissolve. They've got to find a way to continue to make money off of it. Well, if the ACC is not careful... The Big 12 and the Pac-12 marry very quickly and decide, well, here's what we're going to do. Why not? And then whatever team doesn't get the invite, whether that's Washington and Oregon or whomever, right, and they decide to develop a third super conference or something akin to it, while not on the same level of the SEC and the Big 10, still viable. They're picking off teams and leaving, obviously, the ACC with slim pickings. Then you become fourth place. And if you're fourth place, you're no place. You're dead. So what the, the idea that the Big Ten and the SEC may calm down for a moment, at least for another year, right? Maybe they've done what they needed to do for now, means that either the Big 12, the Pac-12, or the ACC is now going to be the aggressor. And you have to anticipate. You have to start looking ahead. So what I would be very curious to know what Jim Phillips is thinking about. What is their tact? They're not going to sit around and be waiting to be kicked to death. you got to figure something out to make yourself viable with the aid of your business partner, ESPN, one would think. Deputy Commissioner of the Big Ten, that's what he's gunning for right now. (laughs) Well, I mean, so how quickly do you start to hear about that, if at all? How do you keep yourself from being fourth if there are three chairs? You know, you, you, if there are even three chairs. But there's yeah, a, and you yeah. know what? It's not a surprise to hear Kirk Herbstreit come out and say he believes there will be three super conferences. He just sure. told you what ESPN's executive told him. Right. So now, right. okay, th- so there's going to be three Well, for now. Yeah, the question is to, I mean, think about it in the NFL. CBS and Fox aren't necessarily competitors because they each have their own conference, right? The AFC and the NFC. And sometimes they do horse trading for certain games, and you'll yes. see an all-AFC game on Fox and vice versa. But I would think that if those executives got together, the it would not be 
you know, a bloodthirsty bunch. They'd be like, this is great. Isn't this great how the NFL works for both of us? It's taking us to new heights. You look at the top 25 products on live television, er, or, uh, sorry, broadcast television, the whole year. 20 of them are NFL games. Aren't we so lucky? This is amazing. At what point would Fox and ESPN work like that together? At what point? Yeah. Is there a round of golf coming in the near future where they <laughs> say, look, this is going to be our pie that we're dividing up. Let's work together without having any electronic trail of collusion or anything like that to see how we can meet this thing out. You get enough of wins on your side and certain parts of the country. We get enough on our end. And this whole beautiful tier one super conference experience is where it needs to be. I just, I don't think that Fox and ESPN are always going to be at odds with one another. At some point they need to work together to push this thing over the finish line. Well, there are other entities that have gotten in the game of purchasing live sports, and we don't know how aggressive they're going to be. So how aggressive does, I don't know, Apple become? How aggressive does, I mean, we've already seen them. You know, you get, you get your baseball game of the week. Uh, Amazon, you know, we see that all the time. Uh, you know, and any of the other streaming services, Netflix, whoever you want to point to, right? Like. Live sports is where it's at. We know this. We've known this for a long time. It's trended in that direction for a very, very long time. I'm not stating anything that people don't already know, but the point is that will also uh, color the landscape of what what's going to happen. And so, who else throws their hat in the ring, right? And and seriously contends for a, a you know a stranglehold on something that is going to be profitable, right? Because well, the future is they want their apps to work. And this is where years ago we talked about the SEC having a channel and the ACC didn't. We thought maybe they should just go straight to an app service. And it, it wouldn't have worked no matter what. Right, right. you don't have the brand strength yeah, we were to generate about the, linear, the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we're all cutting the cord. I've cut the cord with cable. Yeah, I'm now, I'm now exclusively on apps. Yeah. I mean, that's what's next. Well, once it became that you could do it and you could generate enough speed in your house to not have lag, right. then that's when we all, yeah. So that's the next thing. It's not necessarily about FS1 and FS2 versus ESPN2. Like, that's not no, a, that's not no, a no, fight no. anymore. Right. I mean, it might be in the in the very immediate term, but what is that, another year or two? Well, but this is also why it went from exclusively fighting over markets to now it's just about what brands improve the overall eyes to, uh, right. you used to say eyes to sets, but you're not saying Yours for $14.99 right. a month, right? right. Yeah. This is our yeah. collection of talent. Right. What would you pay for it? You know, and oh, by the way, yeah, we know we don't have this, but we do have Florida State, Oklahoma right. State, Washington, Oregon, you know, I, well, that and, kind of a thing. And that's why it's not about linear television anymore. Like, it is, if, if you're talking about the check that FSU is going to clear next year, sure, it's about linear oh, television. For now, for now, but we're looking way but this down. Is, when yeah. all this is coming together, when, when these things are executed, even three or four years from now, it's not like a conference. Let's say the Pac-12 and the Big 12 get together. You're not negotiating with linear or uh, streaming service. They're all streaming services at this point. Yes, for the purposes of a negotiation that you're having right now right, about the future of your media rights, a linear network doesn't mean diddly. But you still have to put together the best collection of potential uh, in terms of oh, selling. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, to me, again, becomes about brands and less about markets, although markets matter. But you know, if you can, if you can enhance the brand of the package that you're selling, well, man, you just – my point is the ACC could sit back Whoever is not proactive, whoever is not aggressive, is going to lose in this, as they have, as the other three Power Five conferences have to the Big Ten and the SEC. We now know it is a, it's, it's about the money, it's about the eyes. So those television contracts, you have to put yourself in the best possible position to succeed. As an asset, ESPN has to care what happens to the ACC. Would they help facilitate something that enhances that package? 
or would that not be for the greater good for the network? I don't if know, they spin I, off the best assets, fortify their strongest brand, correct, it, which is better for them, bottom but line. I wise. don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, but that's the choice they're going to have to make. Well, but the yes, and that's where we get back into the discussion of well, what can they legitimately influence? What can they do with the grant of rights being a problem? Well, because in a way, you know, that percentage of that TV deal, let's just say you spin off Clemson, you know, the best programs for football. If you're paying only that much a year in 2032, that's nothing. That's chump change. Right. That's actually a good deal for well, you. Well, you want what you really want is this aggression to continue to build. Meaning Fox tells ESPN, screw you, we're going to have the biggest and we want more assets in different parts of the country. And no longer are we really worried about regionality. We are going to go grab Florida State, Miami, Clemson, and add them to our, our list of uh, parties here. We're gonna you know, we're gonna do that because long term, 30, 40 years from now, this right. is gonna benefit now, short term, it's gonna it's gonna cut the pie even more. And that's not great, but long term, this is going to benefit. Yeah, I saw somebody in the chat say something akin to Fox will never work with ESPN or vice versa. I'm not so sure about that because at some point it becomes about freezing out the other competitors too. And it's in both of their well, interests to not allow Apple TV Plus or Prime or whoever to enter into this discussion. If you want to have it on lockdown for the future of college football, big well, time why, college football. That's why we're saying I don't think the growth stops. Yeah. It's a matter of when, it's a matter of figuring out. What's even possible, given, again, at least as it pertains to the ACC with the Grand Rides deal? Like, how quickly? Because, you know, if ESPN deems that it's financially more viable, even if it's years and years and years down the road, financially more viable for it for them to spin off those assets to the SEC, well, then I think they would go about the process of desperately trying to expedite that and look into, right. I mean, there's no doubt there's powerful people looking into that contract. Well, and, and the other part is Notre Dame. Everybody's waiting on Notre Dame. Well, to we see all, yeah, that's where true. they go. Yeah, well, that that's really true, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. So, but you wonder: is NBC going to dip back in to look to extend Notre Dame as an independent? Do you have Apple TV Plus or Prime saying, "Oh, you know what? I think they're fighting for five dollars uh, a month for the year. You can watch Notre Dame football, and how many? You know, they do the projections on how much that would benefit them. I just wonder, like it. The NFL is so cut up across so many networks. NBC is a piece, ESPN, CBS, Fox, but CBS and Fox are your Sunday home, so they've got the big shares. At what point does Fox and ESPN for this particular sport say, we don't want anybody else? This could be all us. All we have to do is put our swords down for like 10 minutes, figure this thing out, and yeah. work together. Uh, the, the level of distrust is, <laughs> is awfully high. I don't know that I'm trusting the other guy to put down that sword. I trust the him. second I do, well, I'm going to get stabbed. But he's already got the sword. I don't want to give another sword. I don't need to fight two people. Just let, let, me, <laughs> let me work with you so that Apple TV it doesn't come in here with a bazooka. Oh, man. It's fun. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Short segment here. I screwed up the timing of the last segment, but that's all right. We'll bounce back and get right back into football to start the next hour. But uh, a side note here. Listen to this stat. It's crazy. So, obviously, we all saw Cam Smith go berserk 
on the back nine at the open. And you go back to the start of the season where he shot 34 under par at Kapalua, which was the lowest number to par in a 72-hole tournament in PGA Tour history. which gets overlooked because it's so early in the year, nobody paid attention, but he, he did do that. Listen to this stat. His pair of 64s this week in the same championship, um, over the last 25 years, no player has had two rounds that low in the same major championship. Nobody. <laughs> and there have been some scorable courses. That's not a, you know only because the wind was down at St. Andrews. Right. I mean, there's a lot of low-scoring majors over that time. I mean, damn, that'll hurt your feelings if you're Rory or anybody else. You're like, my man out here dropping 64s like twice, same yeah. week. He's going to drop a 30 on me on the back nine? A 64 on a Sunday. Come on now. <laughs> Trey brings it up all the time. It's the cruelest aspect of golf, that you cannot control the other guy, that you could go out and do everything right. And if some putts don't fall, and you shoot a 68, whatever, and some ass decides to drop a 62 on right, you, you're just right. like... Which is what you said, too, when we were off the air before the show. Like Basically, Rory shot a 69 yeah, yesterday because... every round was in the 60s. Because yeah, if he's not trying to chip it in on 18, he's yeah, going to bury that he's hole. He's going to bury the hole. And then, it's crazy. It was a two-horse race for about an hour and a half, two hours, with Victor not looking good at all, and he never was. Fell off a cliff. And then it was the penultimate group, a 65 and a 64. Like, if I'm Cam Young today, I'm saying, I finished in second outright with an eagle on 18 for the ages, mm -hmm. if not for this joker, shooting a 64. Yeah. You got to be kidding me. Well, Cam Young was good, man. He had he had too many weird holes Cam Young did in this championship. He, had, he did it on Saturday and he did it on Sunday where he was just like out of nowhere. You're like, well, that's a four putt. That just happened. He did. He had a four putt more than once. Like, good, good Lord. That's not the recipe, buddy. <laughs> the old four putt, which we've all done. But, but it hurts your feelings nonetheless, especially when you lose by one stroke in a major. <laughs> Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with